And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And there is a, a, someone who would fit that description to make us guys again. It is Stan the Fan along with Kyle Ottenheimer. Kyle, usually the producer, co-host of the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Usually. He's joining I us today. Pretty much always. But yes, I am. Yeah, usually. As well as the you Fantasy and Reality you Show. Weren't, you weren't this One Wednesday. day this week, correct, yeah. correct. As well as the Fantasy and Reality Show. Yeah. Sundays. Sundays. Ken's so Allison, six days Serena a Hubbard. I'm a, I'm a fixture around these parts. You are a fixture. There's no question about it. Anyway, we're going to be talking about, as we say in the open, um, with Bonzatufa's old open, we're talking about the great game of baseball. And uh, we start out, Kyle, I know uh, age-wise, he's not somebody that's um, front and center in your mind. Sure. And you probably never saw him pitch. Because you'd have to be about 33, <laughs> 34 years old. Correct. Uh, but Sammy Stewart, uh, late great Oriole relief pitcher, and I do mean great at one point in his career, uh, has passed away. Uh, well, I certainly wish I could have seen him pitch. It would have yeah. meant I've seen a World Series victory for the Orioles. Well, he was uh, a part of that World Series team back in 1983, and Sammy had a uh, world of talent and found himself in a world of trouble. Uh, Sammy, not to belabor the point too much, but Sammy had two children, and I believe both of them uh, had cystic fibrosis. Mm. I might have the um, affliction wrong, but uh, it was very problematic. He ended up uh, leaning on alcohol and drugs and ended up in prison for a nice chunk of time, but uh, got out a couple of years ago, maybe about three years ago, I want to say, and was doing some card shows. Like some of his former teammates sort of hooked him up in the circuit. And when a Jim Palmer would go up and do uh, the shows up in Secaucus, New Jersey, mm-hmm. that Molly uh, runs, uh, and her last name escapes me right now, uh, Italian girl, great. She makes a fortune in that business. But Jim Palmer would say, hey, I'll do the show can you do Sammy too? And Sammy would get a thousand dollars. And I'm sure he got some pension money uh, for his time in the major leagues. But uh, a sad note to start the, the show off sure. today. Sammy Stewart passes away. We'll talk to Steve Molesky of Masson Sports. I'm sure Steve will have a story or two about Sammy and Mike Shallon, who's going to join us. Uh, from the New Hampshire Union leader uh, as they battle the Nor'easter up there in a big way over this weekend. And yeah. we got a taste of it yesterday. Uh, but I'm sure Mike Shallon remembers Sammy well uh, as well. So uh, that's how we start the show off. Um, so the, our guest list does include Steve Molesky in about 20 minutes. Uh, Mike Shallon at about 1045. Josh Soroka of Section 336. At 11.05, we're due to have my buddy Tim Tremblay on the show to talk about this uh, second annual, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's a free baseball clinic free in the inner baseball city. Free baseball clinic. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we're due to have him join us as well, uh, and we'll, we'll be talking about it. And then in the last segment today, Kyle, I know you're a fantasy baseball player. Indeed. Uh, and I'm a fantasy baseball player. I thought maybe we could share everything we're working on. 
Do you want to give our, our, our trade secrets? Yes. Are you working secrets? on things yet? So I am. I have, a, I have a keeper league for the first time this year. Yeah. So I had to do some thinking on that and ruminating on those sort of things. I've yet to fully dive into the, like, the entirety, but I have, a, I have a good grasp of baseball in general. But I'm curious to know who are the guys that we don't know about now, right? They're every year. There's the guys that are high hyped, like the Devers is going to be hyped coming into the year. We know his name, but who's the guy that's just going to come through the system and get opportunities that maybe we don't expect and save some seasons. So yeah, it's interesting. I noted yesterday that Sam Travis, who was sort of the Devers of about a year and a half ago, yeah. big first baseman, yeah, yeah. power hit, hit two home runs in a game yesterday, I think against the Cardinals. I think okay. he had one off of actuarial Bud Norris. Well, of course, we'll always remember Jake Fox and his <laughs> tremendous spring. Yep. So we can remember Back how all those grains of salt, those yeah. nine home runs, was it, I think? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, by the way, injury-wise, Bud Norris left the game yesterday, I think with a groin or a hamstring problem. Okay. And uh, Drew Pomerantz left the game for the Red Sox. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. He's had perpetual it seems, problems with injuries through his career. He hasn't. I don't remember really a full season he's gotten through since he's been in the majors. Yeah, he. But he's. But I think he's pitched about 170 innings, both the it's, last two seasons. So he's. So he gets through them, right. and he's going to miss three, three to five starts sure. a year. But uh, he's become. Uh, you know that trade was panned when Dave Dombrowski made it. Remember they traded that great prospect Hinojosa. Mm-hmm. Well, he's had Tommy John surgery, which is certainly you, by no means a death sentence, but right. it will put to delay the timeline. But it for delays sure, yeah. it delays it quite a bit. But that was also the trade, if you remember, that uh, AJ Preller ended up getting a brief suspension okay. uh, from Major League Baseball because he he had two he kept two sets of. Um, uh, medicals on players, and the truthful one he would keep in his desk, and the other one he would share with the other team, which would yeah, not, not be really allowed totally to do that. Forth, forth yeah, right. I don't yeah. think that's really yeah. business practice that people are too fond of. No. So, and anyway, he was suspended briefly. In fact, yeah, th- no question about it. Didn't raise to the level that a John Capolella, uh, who's been suspended permanently, banned from baseball. Now, you would think a guy like John Coppolella, if if he does work in the private sector for the next 10 years and his nose is clean, mm-hmm. that he could petition to perhaps be hired again. But for all intents and purposes, the stuff that Colella um, uh, what's his name, uh, um, the general manager of the Braves, Coppolella, uh, okay, yeah, Coppolella. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that he did, you know, for, sort of forging age documentation and and paying sort of uh, a higher rate for a group of players because he was getting one player. I mean, really, some uh, oh, there's some shady stuff going on. Shady yeah. stuff, no question yeah. about it. There's a lot of, I mean, of course there is, right? Like it's it's in the it, com- competitive industry. And teams that are at each other's throats and going for one goal together. I mean, look, it's, it's bound to happen. I mean, we're seeing, obviously, a different yeah. situation with the NCAA. But when there's all these you know, hands in the pot that want something, then it's tough to have everybody play fair. Interesting. Uh, interestingly, this week, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, came out with a rather strong statement and a $600,000 fine for Mark Cuban about tanking. 
uh, making it very clear that that is not part of the uh, vocabulary that they're going to use either in words or deeds in the NBA. And then again, as you alluded to, you've got that um, uh, college basketball scandal, which uh, surprisingly enough, didn't we have Miller – Sean Miller. Sean Miller in the five words this week. I believe we did. Um, and it and was sort of like, well, there's, there's some... no way. It, it appeared midweek there's no way he would survive, and now he's had the school president come out and support him. And... Yeah, it's all a mess. It's, it's, it's messy, but I think that the, the conclusion I drew from it, at least, is that he did something wrong, whether or not it was DeAndre Ayton or whoever it was that got the right. money. He did something. But, I mean, I think that there's something. I mean, look, baseball – we think of baseball in an idealistic way. I mm-hmm. think there's something to be said about the fact that I wish the Orioles had maybe given me less reason to be so cynical right now, but I genuinely do love the ideal of spring. When it comes around, the weather changes, like the grass is growing, you see the guys out there working out, and you can feel like baseball season is returning. And you and I know marijuana, the grass is growing? I was speaking more toward like the outfield grass. Oh, the outfield grass. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, can't yeah. smoke the outfield no. grass. You, you or could, the infield grass. Not to say you couldn't, I no. just they might not advise it. Uh, there's just something different about that. And while all of this is swirling around, like, okay, first of all, Adam Silver trying to act like tanking isn't just a reality. Like, right. okay, fine, do that if you want. But there's, even with baseball, when there's the Orioles are, there's not much hope for more than like 85 wins. That would seem to be like a. That would seem yeah. like a real. Str- at this point in time, that would seem like a real stretch. You get me, Alex Cobb. Yeah. R.A. Dickey. I think Dickey would take them to about a 500 team. I think Cobb I think that makes them an 85 win team. We're counting on some good old Orioles magic, yeah. right? The 2012 lightning in a bottle. Can they just win on. On gumption, right? Like, and Buck sometimes can do that. To be fair, right? We know Buck Showalter to be one of the only managers that might be able to squeeze that juice out of a, out of an otherwise you know dry fruit. Yeah. But but it's a little sad that I'm, I'm, it's not it's not sapped. The optimism isn't sapped. Like you know, hope springs eternal in spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the club has not given its fans a great deal to hang their hope hats sure. on. It's it's the same two names that we're doing it over and over again, right? Bundy and Gosman. Yeah. Well, I wrote yesterday, I took the day off uh, with the windstorm the, the way it was. I stayed at home. We lost our power Oof. by about 11 o'clock. But luckily, my wife and I had, uh, after having about 12 episodes like this over about the first five years, six generator? years, we bought a generator nice. about three years ago. And this is only the second time now it's kicked in. But uh, we're hearing power in Pikesville in our neck of the woods could be out for a week or something wow. like that and we've got power well, how about that we've got power prudent uh so yesterday i'm sitting home and i said you know what um i really haven't been writing that much uh and it dawned on me that exactly a year ago our february cover press box sure was bundy and, and ready, yeah. on the cover primed and ready well it might be a whole different scenario this year because they haven't. But any hope that the club has of being respectable and not being a 60-win team mm-hmm. really hinges on the two of those guys again. And uh, these guys are not exactly kids anymore. Bundy was drafted as a high schooler 2011. Gosman was drafted one year later as a college guy out of LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 25 and 26, respectively. 
uh, it's time for them to really step their game up for full seasons. Now, Bundy did give us cause for optimism last season. And to be fair, Gosman did as well in the second half. It's just kind of a familiar story where it appears as though it's a trend now. Um, There's some talk about Kevin Gosman having made some mechanical adjustments Mm -hmm. to his release mid-season, right around the time in July when he turned it around. And it was, I think, the horizontal release point. It moved, I think, more drastically over the top. So what was his issue in 16? He was even even better. The last two months of 16, he was better then than he was the last three months of 17. I don't have the answer. different pitcher between the first three months and the last three months. really weird. Um, I went back and looked to make sure that that – release point change didn't similarly happen the year before at the same time and it didn't right he's made that change last year for the first time and if he carries it over i mean the results spoke for themselves hopefully hopefully it seems like we do this every year with kevin gosman this is the year that he just finds his command yeah and the off-speed pitch the the, i think that i wonder sometimes why doesn't he just lean on the changeup does he not get swings on it, right? Is he not making people swing at that? And I want that could be part of the change that came with his release point, giving a different look to hitters. Because if he can pitch to his potential, if both of them the, can the pitch to their potential, problem, the biggest problem I see with Gosman is he is behind in the count sure. so much. Uh, and if you look at those splits of hitters that are ahead and mm-hmm. behind, it's so it's amazing, isn't it? How different it is. When uh, you get a, a hitter to swing at a one-two pitch mm-hmm. rather than no throwing doubt. a two-one, well, they pitch. expand their zone. I mean, there's yeah. we've seen him at his best, and it, and when he's at his when best, he's at his best, he is a top ten pitcher in the American League, locating no on the inside of the plates, inside and outside. And when he's able to do that, and we've look, that's a big win and if, but yeah. you just got to hope that's those are the guys that you can still kind of try to convince yourself can change things, and even with all that's looming around the future of the Orioles with Machado, Scope, Britton, Jones, and all these expiring contracts, these guys are going to be here for at least three more years, right? In the case of uh, Gauze, uh, Bundy, it's actually they control him for 18, 19, 20, and 21. Right. He's not a free agent until 22, yet he has no options left. That's because they signed him to a major league contract. Right. So... These guys are going to be here. Any world where the Orioles remain relevant and interesting and competitive after 2018, after we assume Machado walks and all of these players kind of just, you know, hit the road, it's these two. And Hunter Harvey as well, right? These guys that are coming up, there's some position players to get excited about, and that's another thing you could try to convince yourself about is guys like Austin Hayes, Chance Sisko might be able to inject a little bit of life, but... But it's still, um, you know, there's a lot of ifs surrounding this club, and it's, it's never do they seem to all work out at the same time. If, if I can remind you to like and share the program, I'd appreciate it on Facebook. Uh, Pressbox uh, does uh, seven days a week of live streaming from uh, Monday through Sunday, 10 to 12. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday. Kyle Ottenheimer and Glenn Clark. And then on Saturday, we have the bat around from 10 to 12. And on Sunday, the Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard. All seven days of the week, you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio or watch on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. The Orioles made a little bit of other news yesterday. 
Um, they signed Danny Valencia. Yeah. They've added to their Jewish population once again <laughs> as Danny Valencia becomes an Oriole for the second time in his career, albeit a minor league contract, but it sounds like yeah. it's shaped up that this guy could end up being with Beckham playing third base regularly, mm-hmm. but being the backup shortstop. And I would wonder think- now that if Valencia isn't the guy here, uh, to back up at third base. I have, I fully believe they'll try to get him at bats against lefties as well. Yeah. Uh, Valencia, who's been a pretty solid contributor uh, with Oakland and Seattle sure. over the last couple of years. As a bat, really, only, though. He's not yeah. much of a fielder. No, he's yeah. not much of a fielder. Ideally, his best position would be as a designated hitter. But he, uh, you know, this is a guy who originally came up with the Minnesota Twins, sort of... Um, Found himself with the Orioles, and remember the Orioles made that trade with Kansas City, and the guy's name is driving me batty. I can't think of it. They traded him to they trade Valencia to Kansas City for the left-handed fielding and hitting sort of center fielder guy, speedy guy, and he just never made it with the Orioles, and uh, he hasn't been really heard of in a couple of Peter years. Borges? What's that? Was it Borges? No, Rick Borges is <laughs> no, right hand. Peter Borges. Peter Borges is right hand. Lefty throwing uh, and hitting guy. I'll look it up. Okay. Anyway, uh, the Orioles make that move, uh, and by all intents and purposes, it looks like they are a, about done. Uh, David Lowe. Okay. David Lowe. L O U G H. That was their starter yep. that year. Yep. Um, had 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 a nice half season with Kansas sure, yeah. City OPS, the year before. I think like seven eighty. Yeah. What year was he uh, with Kansas City? Like thirteen or twelve? I want to say it was eleven. Eleven. Well, when was he an Oriole? Let's, I'll, I'll, well, that's it. He was an Oriole like one and a half seasons. Yeah. He was an Oriole in some good years. Yeah. Two thousand twelve, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was thirteen. Thir- fourteen, maybe also. Thirteen and fourteen. It was fourteen and fifteen. He was an Oriole. Okay. Thirteen with the Royals. He right. had OPS seven twenty four. Now so. he did not play in the major leagues <laughs> last year, did he? No, no. He did not. Yeah, he was a good runner. He could run yeah. fast. He had a problem the second year. I think he had a concussion issue or a back issue. Sounds Something right. Happened. I mean, he had injury problems. Yep. Anyway, um, Steve Molesky, due to join us in just a minute or two, uh, we're going to make our contact with him. Uh, Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union Leader will join us at 1045 and then at 1105 from Section 336, Josh Soroka. Uh, will be joining us. All right. That's what we've got on the show this morning. We hope you'll enjoy it and we hope you'll stick with us. Um, what else? Baseball. Baseball's back. I mean, the cloud that is the Yankees hang over the entire league, which is, you know, always, it makes for something to hate, which is, uh, you know, it's better than apathy. You know what they say. The worst thing in the world is to not care at all. So at least the Yankees and the Red Sox give you those evil teams to look up to right. and, and relish beating. So while it seems like a long shot, you never really know, right? Every 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 game, the way the way they go out and play the game, they go between the lines, and baseball's well, a weird game. I think the Yankees, I, I know Houston is the reigning champion, sure. and the Dodgers were the team they played, but I think the Yankees right now are the team to beat in oh, yeah. all of baseball. Yeah, I mean, their pitching is the question, I suppose. But in theory, they don't even need to pitch. They could just score 12 runs a game. So, Well, I'll tell you the one thing that, that really – I don't know that the, the, that the experts have factored it in as well as they should have 
is that bullpen of the New York Yankees this year, starting with Tommy Canley, uh, Adam Warren, Chad Green, then you go to Dylan Batances, who admittedly had some problems last year and is having some problems in spring training as well. Uh, they also have David Robertson and Araldus Chapman. Uh, but that is one heck of a bullpen lineup. Uh, we have our guest uh, that is joining us right now from Mass and Sports, and we are appreciative of the time just before he leaves for uh, sunny Sarasota. Steve Molesky, how are you, Steve? Hey, what's up, Stanley? First of all, um, sad news I got this morning. Uh, Steve Jeppe, uh, who's a good friend of mine, uh, texted me a note, and I understand Rock Kabatko has it in uh, a morning column that uh, Sammy Stort, the former Oriole relief pitcher, uh, has passed away. Did you know Sammy at all? No, I didn't. I certainly appreciated his work. Obviously, growing you know, growing up being an Oriole fan and from Baltimore, um, you know what a dependable, versatile guy who was used in a lot of roles. And you know, he probably made relief pitchers famous before the current era when they got you're, you're, known you're not so much more. You're not wrong on that. I mean, he was one of the early guys that could come in in the fifth and sixth innings and really dominate as a bridge to your late guys. You know, he wasn't a setup guy yet, and he wasn't a closer, but Earl loved to use him, and Joe Altabelli as well, in those roles in the fifth and sixth inning where maybe to get, where where Andrew Miller might be used today. Right, and I mean, you know, he, I guess his career banned the ending or near the ending of the four-man rotations, which I think, if I'm wrong, yep. right here, yep. was around the mid-'80s. Um, and I remember looking up at one point, like back to 79 Orioles, and again, we could double-check my memory here, some of those teams back in the day carried like an eight-man pitching staff. <laughs> you know, they had four starters, and then, and and they didn't come out very often, and you know, they'd pitch 250 and 300 innings in Jim Palmer's day. And then so it was valuable to have a guy who could pitch often and pitch multiple innings. And we probably don't see as much of that today. Yeah, I'm just looking him up right now. And it's uh, funny, I'd forgotten that he pitched briefly for the Cleveland Indians. I was at the winter baseball meetings in 1986 when the Orioles traded him to the Boston Red Sox. Then he had been an Oriole from 78 through 85, and during that offseason, the Orioles were increasingly frustrated with his off-the-field behavior uh, and things of that nature. He was traded for shortstop Jackie Gutierrez. Uh, he went up to Boston for one year, and then he was in Cleveland for one year, but his career was wrapped up in nine, uh, ten years, um, 59 and 48, with an ERA of 359. And a overall career whip, but surprisingly high, of 1.42. I remembered him being a little bit better than that. But this was a guy who had some overpowering stuff in his early days. Yeah, and I don't remember his walk rate at 4.7 per nine. I don't remember it being that high, but that's what the record says here. On baseball reference, he only struck out 5.5. That was in an era when strikeouts weren't anywhere near as prevalent as now. But don't you, in your mind's eye, remember him being more of a strikeout pitcher? In other words, like in in his best seasons, he would throw like 117 to 118 innings, and he only had 70 strikeouts, 71 
I remember him being more dominant with strikeouts, but that's... Yeah, man, I don't remember lunch yesterday, but going back that far, <laughs> I just remember the value, you know, how valuable he was, how he could bounce back, he could pitch so often, and, yeah. you know, even if even though he made a couple starts early in his career, uh, 117, 118, 120 innings from a reliever, that's, that's you don't we don't see that today. Yeah. Anyway, uh, our thoughts and condolences go out to the Stort household. Of course, Sammy troubled with some demons, uh, spent a good chunk of time in prison, but he'd been out for the past two and a half, three years, and uh, sad news to hear of his passing. Somebody, um, Steve, to move on that I'm sure you're a little bit more familiar with, the Orioles kind of surprising yesterday, uh, or maybe not surprising to you because you're a little closer to it than I they uh, brought back an old friend, Danny's Valencia. I know. I was surprised. Um, I know he hits lefties, and um, I'm not sure where there's a fit unless um, there's a thought that he could be part of a right field platoon with Rasmus or something like that, which is possible. And also it's possible, I think, as Rock wrote this morning, that he could go to AAA and play any number of positions and be – you know, insurance is kind of like Alvarez at the moment. I mean, right. um, there's not an immediate fit, but it wouldn't take but a couple injuries for there to be a fit, and those those happen. So you need depth. Um, you need some valuable guys you can call up that you can count on and trust, as Buck would say, from AAA. So maybe that's his current role, and we're going to see how it shakes out. Steve, one other uh, look at, at what role he could play the Orioles sort of have the infield kind of backwards now where their their sort of utilitarian guy is really Beckham, who could play any of the three, uh, second, short, or third. He's due to pencil in at third, but if the Orioles in a pinch needed to move Beckham to short, uh, Valencia is the one other guy that could play third. I'm wondering if somehow now, now in name only – Beckham becomes the utility guy, but gets most of the time starting at third. But when he moves to another position, you've got Valencia there. Uh, to me, that would make Valencia the utility guy because Beckham's a starter, and I don't think they see him in that role. I mean, I think yeah. I, I think uh, uh, Vielma, one of those guys, is still going to merge right. as the utility guy with a roster spot because of their more – suited for that specific role than Valencia, so we're going to see how it shakes out. I know it's a little backward thinking the way I'm thinking of it, but I'm I'm also thinking that maybe they, they are coming to the conclusion that they're going to have to outslug some teams and that having Valencia present uh, might be uh, might be up their alley this year. I don't know. I guess. We'll I mean, he's going to have to get in the lineup for that, yep. so I'm having a hard time seeing that but as i said platoon yep uh he's a platoon hitter he's a guy that again wins lefties if there's a way to have him on the roster when a lefty's pitching you're 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 glad you got him do you remember much about him when he played for the orioles he was more like dh third base and then when he went to oakland he started playing the outfield i don't remember him to me he's not any better than trumbo in the outfield from what i recall but I can't say that I know that for a fact. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm no expert on Danny Valencia's outfield defense. That I can tell you. All right, we're talking with Steve Maleski of MassInSports.com. Steve, um, 
The Orioles made those couple signings about 10, 10 12 days ago in uh, not rapid fire, but, uh, you know, one followed the other, Kashner and then Tillman. Do you think they're done in so far as uh, acquiring potential starting pitching? I wish I had that answer because we all want to know, and, I mean, it's less than a month opening day and all these pitchers are still out there. So they're going to end up with somebody, and the Orioles are said to be monitoring – you know, looking at it, who knows? There's so little been, uh, not only has it been a slow free agent year, but there's just been so little firm information, um, and even speculation. It's made, it a very, it's made it a very tough off season for you and Rock, I know. I mean, it's just been, there just hasn't been a lot out there, and the Orioles are going to sell them if ever put anything out there. So, um Good question. Wish I had insight to know their exact thinking, if there were offers, what these guys are looking at. Um, they need to sign soon because, you know, they need to pitch. They're running out of time to be ready for the beginning of the season at this point. And these three key pitchers are still out there. So I would think at least the, the Cobb and Lynn, the Orioles, until they don't have a chance for them, they have a chance. I mean, they're, the national publications are – mentioning them as one one of several teams. Steve, one thing we do know about the Orioles is that they do enjoy trying to roster Rule 5 players through the season. Um, and we know that and Santander is going to have to be on the roster for 44 days to start the year. Uh, but is the expectation, at least around from what you can tell, that, that Nestor Cortez will be the guy that they're going to try and roster this year? I see a way they could keep all those pitchers. Um, <laughs> and the, when the math works, that doesn't mean they're they're going to do it or I'm predicting it by any stretch. Right. But if you have an opening for a fifth starter, which could be Cortez, and you have three openings in your bullpen, which could be two rule fives and someone else, then, then all of these pitchers could make it. And so what would make that happen is them pitching well enough to do it. And so far, I would think, Orojo... And Cortez are pitching well enough that they're piquing their interest, and Mesa has not yet. And so, nothing wrong with giving these guys an opportunity in yep. camp. You can give them back. They could start the year on the roster and go back May 15th if they're not pitching well. Um, you know, uh, the Orioles suddenly have three bullpen openings. You know, it didn't seem like when last year ended we would be thinking that way, but they do. And so uh, it's the land of opportunity in Baltimore Oil Camp right now. Hey, hey Steve, all kidding aside, Anthony Santander, uh, you know, the Orioles have been playing this Rule 5 game since Dan came to town. It started with Flaherty, and it's uh, shown uh, what Michael Almanzar, uh, Jason Garcia. What was the pitcher they got from the Mets? Um, um, Verrett. What's it? Verrett. Logan Verrett. Yeah, uh, Verrett. Um, but it seems that Santander is really the first guy that they really want to hold on to for serious reasons, that they think that this guy could be something special. Am I reading too much into that, or do you see I it the same way? No, if they think he's going to be something special, but he has potential, and he's got a bat that's been potent at the minor league level, so... Um, you know, there's intrigue to look at that and see. I mean, there's a lot of guys that look like they're going to be something special in the Carolina League and don't don't pan out. And and so, 
Uh, the thing that hurts Rule 5 guys, and I think this hurt Ryan Flaherty, um, is right at the time when he needed a full year in the minors to complete yeah. his development, he was not afforded that because he was taken as a Rule 5. Uh, Flaherty was a pretty potent bat, too, if you recall, at the yep. time. Yep. Uh, but he needed more reps, and he wasn't given that uh, chance because he was Rule 5. And Santander is probably exactly the same guy who could be really the special hitter we're talking about if he had been given the proper development, and you can't do that when you take him as a Rule 5. So to me, um, in the big picture for Santander's hope to potentially be better than just a Rule 5 pick, quote-unquote, would be he gets his 44 days, he goes back to the minors, he plays all this season at Bowie or Norfolk, and learns the trade yep. um, uh, at the higher levels and finishes off his development, and then let's see. I mean, he, I'm just, you know, who knows? Maybe he's better than that, and maybe after well, 44 days, they, they, they don't want to take him off because he's looked that good. You know, uh, but you bring up an interesting point, and, and it really boils down to skill set. Ryan Flaherty for all that he is and isn't, had a certain skill set that really made Buck Showalter comfortable. Needless to say, Santander doesn't possess that. So I think your scenario of what needs to happen for him most likely is going to happen after 45 days is that he will be a regular at Bowie or Norfolk um, and and get that chance to finish off his, his progress because he is a bat you know, he's a potential potent bat, though. Right, and it uh, would be nice to see him play double-A, triple-A and, and get the reps and have some mistakes and, and improve his defense and and learn to hit from both sides of the play as a switch hitter. And the, the, You know, Flaherty, he made a nice living for himself, and he's he's probably made a lot more, more money than most of us will ever have. Um, and at the same time, I look back at his career and wonder if his long-term baseball career wouldn't have been better served by that rule, rule five year. Uh, he couldn't have played all year at AAA yeah. and had a big year. And then now let's see if he can be, you know, second baseman somewhere. But you know, rule it's five a, doesn't allow that. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I get the, it's a double-edged sword. The, whole, the purpose of the rule five was that so teams couldn't just keep you uh, in the minor leagues for forever. So it gets you to a newer organization, but the rules are so confining that first year. And you, you bring up an interesting point that maybe if that rule was sort of, you had to be up for 50 or 60 days on the major league roster, some of these players would round out their, their uh, you know, development uh, in better shape than had they stayed with their existing team. Well, it's an interesting rule, but I think in the long term, um, it, it's, it's, as you said, it's, uh, Ryan Flaherty has a nice bankroll because of the Rule 5 draft um, uh, compared to the rest of the world. Compared to baseball, he's a fringe guy, and he might have been better than that if he had had that last year, but we'll never know that one. We're talking with Steve Molesky, and Steve, you mentioned that Cortez and Arojo have looked pretty good. The third pitcher, uh, Jose Mesa Jr., ironically did get a win the other day, but I think he's allowed runs in, in each of his appearances. Um, he's the son of a former Oriole. Um, 
it's interesting though that the Orioles have picked the you know two of the uh, the better farm systems in baseball in taking both Cortez and and uh, and Mesa from the Yankees and Arojo from the Cubs. Right, and I don't think it was a matter of when they went into Rule Five draft. Let's target these systems. It was just let's target yeah. players who are going to be available, and you start looking at who's not protected. And uh, in past years, the guys they picked didn't always have eye-popping stats, but they must they had something that made them pick them. Whether it's a 96 mile an hour fastball in Jason Garcia's case, he he threw really hard, and he got hurt, and we didn't see him throw that hard in Baltimore. But, I mean, he threw high 90s at the time they looked at him. And so, um, uh, he, but his stats weren't what these other guys are. So, all three had a lot of success on the farm. There were reasons to look at them and go, you know, these are pretty good track records worth looking at. Um, one of the big storylines out of spring training this year is the hope for Reemergence of Chris Davis as a real significant piece of this lineup. Uh, so far, I see the batting average is 154, I think I read after yesterday's game. He has hit a home run, driven in a few runs. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Davis and the, the possibility for him to return to even being 80, 85% of what he was three or four years ago? I mean, that would be so big. Um, it's so hard to be him right now because oh. uh, the the burden that has come with that contract is probably more than he ever guessed. And it's more than I ever guessed uh, because the fact that he didn't follow up with these big years the last couple of years, I mean, the fans have just mauled the guy. I mean, that just his every move, um, you know, if he, if he, if he, how he say, you know, if he sits funny, someone mentions that on the bench. Look at how he's sitting. Ridiculous. You know, I mean, there's nothing he can do that's not criticizable at this point. And so that can't be easy to deal with, but no one's feeling sorry for someone who's got $160 million and he's just got to he's got to make it work within that framework. And I think that's tougher than we think. And we talked about all these little adjustments and swing earlier in the count and be more aggressive. I think it comes down to, uh, what we can't quantify, and that's the mental burden yeah. of this contract. Well, there's there's no question that he's been an entirely – you know, you can say all you want. I, I, I talked to uh, Rich Dubroff quite a bit. Rich says, well, Bucks tells him the, the game has changed. The game hasn't changed that much in two years. The, what's changed are the expectations are so high that I think it's affected him in a very negative fashion. Uh, when you see a player who has one of the best walk rates on the team, Davis, which means he has one of the best strike zone eyes on the team, yep. Davis, taking pitches right down the middle, um, what is the reason for that? Yep. I mean, this is a guy who knows the difference between two inches off the corner and two inches on the corner. He's got one of the better eyes on the team. And so when he's 1-2 on the count and the pitcher throws right down the middle and he doesn't swing – I went watching that last year thinking, well, obviously he knows it's a strike. Right. Um, he just is tied up. I mean, it's just a mental mess. And so um, I think there were times he was, and, and he's in a fishbowl, and he got a, he's, he and only he can get yeah. out of it. Buck can't help him hit. 
cool ball can't help him hit. Uh, people can encourage him, but I think he just there's this this swell of negativity about everything he's doing, and it's not helping him. But I mean, that's the fans. That's their right. You know, they they can boo and and jeer when players don't perform. And he admits that. I mean, others with big contracts have performed, and he's just going to have to try to become one of them. Steve, I'm curious to get your thoughts on um, a prospect in the system. I mean, uh, obviously, Austin Hayes and, and Cedric Mullins are the two outfielders that are, are at the forefront of Orioles fans' minds as far as outfield prospects are concerned. But I want to know about DJ Stewart, and I think that he's had a quiet sort of, I guess, re- resurgence in his career. He's fixed his swing, and it, it seems as though he's on the right path to be a major league contributor sometime soon. When do you think that might be? I mean, that could be this year. I mean, really, he's, you know, by development, uh, he's ready to go to AAA yep. and be a phone call away. I mean, if he gets off to a good start, um, you know, he could be a guy they tab. And, and uh, he was one of 10 players uh, in full-season minor league ball who had 20 steals and 20 homers last year. And it had never been done by anybody at Bowie, so that's pretty good. I mean, he's got a combination of some speed. He's not a blazer by any stretch, mm-hmm. and some power. He's not a big home run hitter by any stretch, but he brings a little of both. He's always been a pretty good on-base guy, which, again, this is a rarity for the Orioles. We know they don't have a lot. Uh, who knows the strike zone well? And he told me in an interview uh, late, late last year at Bowie that it's been a two-year process of the stance. Um, as he went from the low crouch, as we know, when he was drafted, to where he's at now. And it was a two-year evolution of, of tweaking it, learning it, adjusting to it. And, and the thing that proved uh, to the Orioles, I think, is as his stats got better as he moved up, which it, it, while he's tweaking his stance. So he's hitting in the Eastern League. He's hitting well while he's still doing some tweaking and learning of these adjustments he made. So he's making adjustments and he's producing. So that's pretty good. And that, that, that tells you something. Um, and you know, it looked like he was a bust as some fans were calling him just a year ago at this time. So his, uh, he's trending up. Now we have to see if it, if it stays that way, especially if he goes to Norfolk, because it is tough to hit there. Stevie, we really appreciate the time. Uh, know you got a busy, hectic schedule. Uh, you're heading down this week, correct? Right, right, a week from today. Um, so it's a little later than usual, it seems, but there'll be uh, plenty of games to go see once uh, I get there. All right. Really appreciate the time, Steve. The, all right, guys. The time and the insight. Steve Molesky, Mass and Sports, knows the Orioles system better than uh, anybody, um, to be honest with you, just about anybody in town. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we will make our connection with Mr. Mike Shallon of the uh, New Hampshire Union Leader. When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the ultimate man cave nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game 
game I wanted to, and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out, and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the close edge razor shave all at Hammer and Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays, you can rent out Hammer and Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you, this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer and Nails, grooming shop for guys, now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. Looking for an exciting new crossover vehicle that has the legroom and cargo space of an SUV? Then you need to look at the all-new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi. Wow! Once you get behind the wheel of the new Eclipse Cross, you won't want to let go. Available in all-wheel drive, the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's comes equipped with a 7-inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, plus head-up display and adaptive cruise control. And right now, Jerry's has a $1,000 dealer discount available. Do it. Go see the New Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road or online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise play of the game. Reheatable, bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside. Slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com impact. They're strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. And we are back on the show on this uh, Saturday morning, March the 3rd. Uh, we hope you're staying safe, and if you've got your power, uh, uh, be thankful to the man above. Joining us right now is somebody right in the heart of the Nor'easter, is uh, Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union Leader. Uh, Mike, how are you, and how's the weather up in New England? Good morning, and um, it's the, the winds have uh, quieted down some, but yeah. the... Uh, Power people, there's almost 400,000 people without power, including some in our in our town and the and Foxborough next door. So, um, you know, it was it was pretty bad. It's it's been uh, the the winds around here were just terrible yesterday. Uh, you know, scattered stories of people getting killed and and a few miraculously. Uh, one story that made the news here was a pregnant woman 
driving and her she's 36 weeks pregnant and her boyfriend is sitting in the shotgun seat how they how they got out of that uh, unscathed it's unbelievable this gigantic tree collapsed on their car but uh, luckily uh, by inches they made it out alive so uh, very tough very tough here um, but you know the the winds of march are often uh, known as being pretty ferocious well, they said up here that the uh, the, the problem was that <clears throat> there were three high tides. Excuse me, <clears throat> three high tides, and and you put that together with a full moon, and uh, you know, let's let's just let's be honest. Things are just getting more and more severe. Yeah, there's no question about it. Couldn't possibly be global warming, though. Couldn't possibly be. That doesn't, mm, no, that doesn't no, exist. I'll tell you every time every time it snows, those people tell you, "Hey, here's your global warming. <laughs> it's snowing." <laughs> hey, this morning uh, I was met with some sad news around here, and I'm assuming you were in Boston when Sammy yeah. Stewart pitched there. Do you remember yeah. Sammy pretty well? Remember Sammy pretty well, and and in fact, um, uh, when I did the I did the book with Oil Can Boyd, um, Oil Can, you know, he and Sammy were of of similar ilk in, in some ways. Yeah. They were both a little bit uh, off the off the charts and I just remember Sammy <laughs> excuse me, I just remember Sammy uh after one spring training outing and you gotta follow the you gotta follow the negatives here. But Sammy came in and we asked him how you know how it went and he said I I I ain't worried about nothing except nothing not hurt <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was, uh, I think he was trying to say that he didn't, that it didn't matter what, you know, what the result was, <laughs> but with all those negatives, it was a little bit tough for us to follow. But yeah, Sammy had a, uh, he had a troubled life and, um, a very, I'm very sorry to hear that. I don't remember him, uh, being unpleasant at all to nope. deal with. Nope. Um, he was always a pleasure. Unfortunately, you, you'll find you, you go through the, the history of the people that we know and, and it's the, it's the nicest guys that get the most screwed up. And, and, um, yeah, I, I'm very sad. How old, what was, how old was he? Sammy would have been, let me see if I still have it up. I've got a funny story to tell. Uh, Sammy was born in, he was 63 years of age. 63 mm-hmm. turned 63 in October pitched uh 10, 10 years in the big leagues uh eight with the Orioles one with Boston and one with Cleveland and, and a good pitcher yeah a you good know pitcher who could who could do everything for you Steve Molesky and I were just talking about it and Steve doesn't remember him very well personally but knew, knew him uh, as a player I'm very surprised that in 956 big league innings, he struck out only 586 batters. I remember him being a, a pretty fair strikeout pitcher. Mm-hmm. And 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 versatile. Um, very versatile. It, uh, you know, he, he could you know whatever you whatever you need him to do. And he, and he had a um, he had a rubber arm, and he was. Um, he, he was a good pitcher. He really you was know. an early day kind of Andrew Miller, the pawn, the mm-hmm. the rook that you could move in a lot of different positions out of that bullpen. Yes. Um, exactly. 
We're talking with uh, Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union Leader. I sat in, uh, when I started my radio career, Mike, I sat in Rex Barney, the late Rex Barney, had a stroke, and he used to do a, a post-game show in the hit-and-run club of Old Memorial Stadium, and I sat in for several weeks to do it, and one of the first interviews I did was with Sammy Stewart after a game, and I came in, you know, and I'm preparing my questions for Sammy Stewart, and I go, and joining us right now is uh, Oriole relief pitcher Sammy Stewart, and he goes... Uh, sorry, Sam, uh, Sammy couldn't be here. This is his cousin, Hog Williford. And he went into a riff for 15 minutes that he was Sammy's cousin. He was a moonshiner, a womanizer. Uh, he, and I had him back on two or three times like that that summer. He was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he, he was one of those guys. Yeah. You know, and again, uh, uh, Oil Cam would tell me stories, um, you know, just he was just he was a unique individual no question no question about those, it. those people tend to seek each other out you know in 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 our world and um i'm just sorry that that the that his life went off the rails so badly um, yeah, after I, he was after he was done i'm hoping that he ha- found some peace those last couple of years you know he did i think he was in prison for about 5 or 6 years uh, and I know when he got out, some of his old teammates uh, used to help him get hookups on sign, you know, card signings and uh, yeah, autograph yeah. signings, where they'd say, "Hey, I'll do it if you if you hire, give Sammy five hundred bucks or something like that." Uh-huh. And yeah, I think yeah. he got him a fair amount of work, and he was able to sustain. But a, a sad story. Moving on back to spring training, I know you're not down there, but one of the key words I'm hearing from the uh, Alex Cora era is that he intends to make this Red Sox offense a lot more aggressive, both in hitting in the counts and in running the bases. It sounds like a really good plan for a team that was somewhat stagnant offensively last year. Well, yes and no. I mean, it was also a team that led the major leagues in getting thrown out on the bases. Um, I think it was 81 times wow. uh, that they were thrown out. I think, and I believe Dustin Pedroia was the, the greatest culprit. Um, he, all, he, 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 he talked the other day about, um, they, that, uh, the, the 2020 club that, uh, he thought that he had four players who could be in the 2020 club. So obviously he's thinking, he's thinking running and, and, uh, that's great. I, you know, there's, they, they have, they have some very versatile athletes in this lineup, you know, and, and, um, JD Martinez aside, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to, um, manufacture a run here and there, you know, and, and, uh, the, the thing that's coming across for me about Cora is that, um, he's going to have that clubhouse a lot looser than it was. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that's a, that's a double-edged sword though, because, that's the kind of thing where if they're winning, it's because they're loose, and if they're losing, it's because they're loose. So uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a difficult thing to to manage, and you know, the case with um, with both he and Aaron Boone, and even down in Washington, where you got three three rookie managers taking over uh, playoff teams, yeah. which is very, very I don't know unusual. if this has ever happened yep. before in Major League history. Uh, just to have three rookie managers is very rare in the same season. 
but you're not gonna you're not gonna know um, what their abilities are until you see you know you see the results. Now, the people love to talk about John Farrell and, and the lack of communication that he had and how uptight he was this that, but he won 93 games each of the last two years and won the division each of the last two years. Did they win the playoffs? No, they didn't. They got knocked out, and we we know that happens to good teams. But I, last year. I think John deserves credit because he lost Ortiz both on the field and in the clubhouse mm-hmm. and still managed to win 93 games with David Price taking half the year off for, because of injury. Losing losing a Stephen Wright, who had been an all-star the year before, losing him for the entire season. So um, a lot of these things a lot of these things tend to take care of themselves regardless of the manager. Um you know, people have have been on the Joe Madden bandwagon for years now, and I love Joe, and I think he's great for the game, but I also think he's a terrible game manager. Now, that's, you know, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I've had people agree with me on that. I've had people disagree with me on that. Um, but again, I, you know, I keep going back to what Sparky Henderson always said. He said, I might make a difference in between five and ten games a year. And if you look at the five and ten games a year, that could be the difference between winning and not winning. I'm wondering, uh, Andrew Benintendi added quite a bit of weight this offseason and bulked up a lot. He was a guy that had, I think, over 20 steals last year as a rookie. Is is he probably going to be running a little less, or has that not really affected his mobility? I don't think it affected him. I, I think that he, you know, he's a baby, and he, I, I think his, his body is still filling out. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete, and, uh, you know, you've got, you've got Mookie and you've got uh, you've got him, and you've got Bradley, and you've got Bogarts, uh, people who can run. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to steal twenty bases, especially with the way pitchers don't hold runners on as well as they used to in a lot of cases. So, you know, I don't know. I, I just think this kid is is um, is special in a lot of ways. He, you know, people were doing Fred Lynn comparisons when he came up, I, I was doing Don Mattingly comparisons. Because <laughs> to me, he had that scraggly hair look that, that Mattingly mm-hmm. had and, and um, you know, was able to to uh, take whatever pitch you give him and, and go with it. Um, but, you know, he's, you know, they, you look at this Red Sox roster and there, there's some people like Bogarts. And, and Mookie didn't have a great year last year. Mookie only hit 264 last year. And that's, you know, he's 30 points better than that. So they're deep. The lineup is deep. Um, and I think that if you look at, if you look at the, the rivalry, if you will, not only is it back, but I'm not sure either roster's ever been this stacked at the same time uh, in a long time. Yeah. You know, I watched, I watched a little spring training base, but if the Yankees and Red Sox are playing today, I don't, I don't think we'll see any of the, uh, the the big thumpers on the Yankees because it's a road game. But and and baseball has turned to that now, where you don't have to show up with anybody anymore. Um, but I watched Stanton hit two doubles in the last few days, just flicking his bat and 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 hitting the ball to right field and right center field, hit the ball off the wall, and you put that in Yankee Stadium, you know, and, and you look at what that what they've done as far as power, even even adding an Adam Adam Lynn. The other day, as a minor league yeah. uh, signing, you know Adam Lynn. If Bird gets hurt again, which we know he has been hurt, um, 
Adam Lynn would, would wear out Yankee Stadium. He's a terrific. I mean, he's, he's, he's a terrific small signing by the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's just he's literally there for insurance. That's what I heard Cashman say that say that exactly. And uh, you know, I don't know if he's got an opt out. You know, I'm sure he does. Where if he's not on the big league team by a certain date, but um, you know, it's all about power there. Uh, the Red Sox are a little bit more about you know all around ball, but you know, the Yankees have some people that can run too. So I think it's going to be. I hate to say this in Oriole land, but I think it's going to be a heck of a race between the two of them. Yeah, it, 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 it figures to be a heck of a race. I give the Yankees the leg up right now, <clears throat> partly because, uh, you know, the Red Sox starting rotation is a little like the Forrest Gump uh, box of chocolates. You're not quite sure what you're going to get. You know you'll get a lot of strikeouts from Sale, but is Sale capable of being a big-game pitcher? Can David Price come back and be what near what he was? And then are the injuries uh, going to deplete the rest of that starting rotation? Well, you can. There's a lot of there's a lot of question marks in the Yankee rotation too. You know, I mean, let's let's, let's face it. Which Tanaka do you get when he walks out to the mound? If his if his split if his split is up in the zone, he's 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 toast. Uh, he was yesterday. I saw his first spring training. Now, it's, it's spring training. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But he's a question mark. So, you know, when it, when does when is CC going to be old? You know, is Severino? You know, Severino had a had a, a coming out last year, and then and then fizzled in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you, you could you could look at both rotations that way. Sale being a terrible second half of the season pitcher. Uh, so far in his career. Now that's up to Cora, right? To kind of manage, kind of manage his innings. Uh, on paper, I would give the Red Sox the the edge, but I don't think it's a strong edge. And then you look at the two bullpens, and people rave about the Yankee bullpen being so deep and powerful, and everybody throws 95, 98 miles an hour. Well, that's well and good, but Betances was terrible last year. Number one. Uh, uh, and you look at the Red Sox side, and you've got you've got a situation. And uh, don't forget, Chapman lost his closer role at one point. And then the Red Sox side, you've got Smith and Thornburg coming back from injuries. Now, if they're healthy, then their bullpen is deep. They don't. They really don't have a left-hander. Uh, um, but you know, I, I the teams are very similar in their question marks. But I like their question marks a heck of a lot more <laughs> than I like. Then I like Baltimore and uh, Tampa and Toronto. Of those three, I think I, I still think Toronto's the best of those three. Yeah, but, I would um, agree with that. But let's yeah, get back. Yeah. Let's get back to the you were you were doing the comparison with the Yankees staff. I was hoping to get more information on the Red Sox starting rotation. Pomerantz mm-hmm. left the game a little early right. yesterday. Any real cause for concern there right now? Well, anytime you hear the word forearm, you're concerned. You know. Uh, used to used to worry every time a pitcher would leave with a shoulder. Now, now the word forearm is the, is the magic word. You don't want to hear that word forearm. Uh, he says he's okay. I think he went through the same thing last year, if, if memory serves. Um, but again, there's by my count, in, I think there's six of them, right? So there's depth, and and you, you are going to get Stephen Wright back. Now, two years ago, he was an all star. But with a knuckleball pitcher, you just don't know. Right. Um, but 
Eduardo Rodriguez, another guy who's perpetually coming back from injury. When, when will they? When are they expected back? Right now, the two of them. Um, as far as I know, they're on they're on track. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly when it's full bore, but they also have a kid, Brian Johnson, who's a pretty good left-handed pitcher. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, who's done some things in the major leagues. Uh, and they and this uh, um, I always pronounce his name wrong because of the hockey player, but Elias, I think it's pronounced. Ruinas Elias. Elias, yeah, yeah, he has some good stuff. But the thing is, there's, there's so many left-handers, it's wild. And and the, you know you look at you look at um, facing the Yankees 19 times with all that left-handed pitching. Then of course you also have Porcello from the right side who's trying to bounce back. But you know look at the Yankee power, you know and and. That said, neither Judge nor Stanton has had success against against the Red Sox pitchers. I think I think Judge hit a home run his first time up last year against the Red Sox, and didn't hit another home run of, uh, in, in uh, the other eighteen games. So it's it's fascinating stuff. It really is. And and you 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 look at the two pitching staffs, and they always say good pitching stops good hitting. Well, if it's not great pitching, then maybe it doesn't stop good hitting or it doesn't stop great hitting. So um, I just think that the the sport is better off when the two of them are, you know, are what are where they are now. I just wish Baltimore and Tampa Bay were, were more were more competitive. You know, were more um, ready to go, if you will. You gotta you gotta be thinking in the back of your mind. Now, players never like to think this way, never admit they do, but. You got to be thinking in the back of your mind. There's not going to be three teams from this division making the playoffs, so uh, so it's you know the long grind kind of starts even before the long grind starts. Wondering uh, just how many home runs you think JD Martinez is going to end up with at Fenway Park. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think one thing that um, you know he. He batted last year in two lineups that had some protection for him. Uh, I'm not sure that 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 there's that protection uh, in this lineup. Um, it's a great ballpark, obviously, for him, and and he you know he hit him in Comerica, so he's a guy that um, I think I saw something the other day that the the, the top five um, freak, you know, home run frequency guys last year in the major leagues. Four of them were the three Yankee guys and 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 uh, JD Martinez. So uh, another thing to, to add, uh, I think he'll you know he should wear the place out. But I think I think a real key to the Red Sox offense is Hamlin Ramirez. And you know they're in a they're, again I go back to that double edged sword thing because he's in a situation where you if you're the Red Sox you want him to succeed. But if he's succeeding, that means he's playing all the time and he's going to get the 495 plate appearances, which automatically trigger $22 million for next year. There's no way he's uh, going to get that. Well, you know, what if what yeah. if he comes out of the gates and he supplants Moreland as the first baseman because mm-hmm. he's hitting, and, and they're, going to, they're going to sit there in a pennant race and they're going to deny this guy the right to get yeah. his plate appearances, not at bats. So, I, I mean half and I mean sort of half and half. There's there's just I just don't see it coalescing where he's going to get those at bats. He, he does break down an awful lot. He does. Yeah, he does. Hey. But part his his biggest problem 
his biggest physical problem came when he tried to play left field and he ran into that sidewall and hurt his shoulder. He's, um, he's very confident right now. And, and right now he's actually, you know, cause you, you face, uh, unless you're playing the Red Sox, you, you face mostly right-handed pitching. So if the plan is to platoon him and Moreland, then he's going to at least get a slow start to the season and those plate appearances. Hey. But if he comes out of Florida hot, they're going to find a way to play him because you do not want an, unha- an unhappy Hanley Ramirez sitting around your clubhouse. Hey, we got about a minute and a half. Um, we're talking with Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union leader. Tell me about two people. One is David Price, and the other is Dustin Pedroia, and how much longer the Red Sox are, have him under contract because he seems like a poster boy for the new way of thinking by owners that mm-hmm. having these guys on the on the north side of 31-ish uh, is really dangerous nowadays. I think I think he's through 21, if I'm not mistaken. God, that's a lot but of money. Again, but, but again, they gave him that deal, uh, and, and the trade-off was money. He's not making $25 million right. a year. Right, So there's that. And, and he also... You, you look at him and talk about a guy who's, who who has broken down over the years. He plays the game so hard yep. that he gets hurt a lot. Um, Price seems to be healthy. Um, uh, you know, he's he's still fielding questions about the way he acted last year and says it won't happen again. Um, but you know, we know we all know what a what a healthy David Price is. Again, though, they still don't have. They still don't have a pitcher with a postseason victory, starting pitcher. If I'm, that, I'm is unbe- one, that is unbelievable. You know, who won the game? I forget who who got their victory last year uh, in the in the in the uh, sale game. Series. In the game uh, that Sale got knocked out, was, and then they came yeah, back. That was, and a, that was a reliever, so they don't yeah. have a starting pitcher. I think there's something like 0 and 24 among the whole group of starters. Something like that, that. is unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. It is. It, it, it's something you couldn't make up. Yeah. Mike, always appreciate the time. Uh, stay warm and stay safe up there. All right. Well, it's funny. The funny thing is, it's not the cold that's the problem. It's been forty degrees through yeah. this whole thing. And that's it's the wind. That's why we only got a little bit of snow. It got down to about thirty-five. But it's uh, the, the the weather up here. You know, I, I've been here thirty-five years now, and and people say, "Oh, it's New England." It's the, but everything is more severe now, and it's just it's just going to keep getting worse. All right. My friend, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road a few weeks, all right? Take, take care, guys. Take all right, time. there you have it. Mike Shallon, New Hampshire Union leader, uh, excellent guest uh, that uh, is a fairly regular part of the show. Uh, we're going to take a timeout right now. When we get back, we're going to have Mr. Josh Soroka of Section 336. That's who's going to be up next. We'll be right back. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our Best of Baltimore Sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever Local Sports Person of the Year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the Ultimate Man Cave Nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game I wanted to, and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the close edge razor shave all at Hammer and Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays, you can rent out Hammer and Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you, this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer and Nails, grooming shop for guys, now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. This week on Section 336, we fulfilled our curling bet with Glenn Clark Radio. Yeah, we also talk conspiracy theories about the Orioles and break down their nice O for start in spring training. Section336.com, iTunes, and PressBoxOnline.com. What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Looking for an exciting new crossover vehicle that has the legroom and cargo space of an SUV? Then you need to look at the all-new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi. Wow! Once you get behind the wheel of the new Eclipse Cross, you won't want to let go. Available in all-wheel drive, the new Eclipse Cross at Jerry's comes equipped with a 7-inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, plus head-up display and adaptive cruise control. And right now, Jerry's has a $1,000 dealer discount available. Do it. Go see the New Eclipse Cross at Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road or online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling podcast. No, 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 no. Don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling podcast. Look, just just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Jobbing Out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, (laughs) real quick. It's Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron. Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins heat turp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, a, a reminder, if you uh, do see our show on Facebook Live, please click that share button and the like button. Okay? It really... It's sort of a geometry to it that, uh, is that the right word, Kyle? Geometry? I don't think that's the right word. I think you mean some sort of like metrics. Well, no, no I mean there's geometry a certain. Geometry is like a shape and like angles. Yeah, but that's and... what I mean. There's kind of like a shape and angles to the more people share it, then, then other people like pick it up. It's like a networking. It's like a social networking sort of thing. It's a social networking thing. <laughs> anyway. 
All right, joining us right now is somebody who's become uh, part of the uh, Press Box family in the podcasting world, and that is Josh Soroka and his his team, Section 336, and it's Matt and Bert, correct? That's correct. That's the geometry of our show. That's the geometry. And what's the word I'm looking for? Is it geometry, Josh Roca? Uh, I'm, I'm I, I would be more on the analytics metrics side <laughs> right. of where you're going. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, uh, it's, geometry is not the right word, but it's not analytics and metrics. I'm speaking about it's a, there's a certain, maybe it's a dynamic. In, in other words, simply, quite simply, the more people that like it and share it, then that's seen by other people, and it increases the probability that others Ag- will aggregate. see. Aggregate. Yeah, it might be. No, nah, yeah, that's not no. quite the right word either. But anyway, <laughs> let's stick to uh, let's stick to baseball words. What's uh, what's been the tenor of the times? As if I don't know, on section three thirty six. It's uh, it's trying to be patient, I guess, as we look at this Orioles. Uh, payroll and that the, it's way below what it's been in previous years and all they seem to do is sign minor league players minor league contracts and then seeing some really good baseball players sitting out there that could take this team to the point that okay maybe i can believe that there's a wild card shot if you signed a guy like lynn or uh, cobb or even arietta uh even sign mustakis and i get excited that this team could do something so it's very strange off season. Well, you know, people are people are interested in that payroll and comparing it. Look, we know that they they've got what thirty million dollars came off the books in the rotation, and Hardy's down. Uh, you know, and Hardy was probably right. what eleven or twelve million dollar player last year. Uh, but Britain, Gosman, Bundy, Scope, Machado all got significant raises. And the fans, uh, part of the equation, they're down over 400,000 in attendance over the last three seasons. Yeah, and the team lost money last year, and that's definitely an issue. But you know what? If you win, you make more money. If you win, more fans come out. You sell more concessions. If you win, you do better. And I think as fans, we for years watched this team and kind of looked to this year as the year where, uh, we would clear some money off the payroll. We could make this big push. We all, we've all accepted that it's Manny's last year or last six months or whatever. So I think the, the fact that we're not going to make a push seems really strange. Uh, that I'll agree with you on. You know, I mean, if, if you're all in to the point of not really wanting to trade Manny Machado because you feel like let's keep the band together for one more tour – and then the band's starting rotation is Bundy, Gosman, Cashner, Tillman, and a Rule 5 guy. Right. Uh, that's, that doesn't give the fans a lot to hang their hope hat on. Right, and especially when there's great pitchers out on the market that are, are proven winners and not just an experiment like Ubaldo. Well, the the question is, are you know, Lance? You know, it's it's interesting. It's sort of a double-edged sword. I don't know that Lynn and and Cobb are great pitchers, but I get the point that the Orioles would be a lot more competitive looking if they sign one of them. Uh, you know, Arietta, it's really a stretch money wise and 
kind of conceptually that he would come back to Baltimore where he struggled so much. So I don't know that that's ever been in play. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Arietta coming. Um, I think it's very interesting that here we are in March and we have these good pitchers still available. I think that's interesting way outside of the city of Baltimore that we, we're used to it here. We're used to not wanting to sign guys for long-term contracts, wanting to wait for contracts to come down, wanting to wait for years to come down. But it's very interesting to me that now it kind of seems like that's the tone of Major League Baseball this year. Let's get to something I wrote about a column yesterday, and it seems like with Orioles, the Orioles and whether they can be competitive relative to what they are, and now I'm not saying competitive to the point of competing with the Yankees and the Red Sox, but I'm talking about being a near 500 team. Uh, It seems to always just circle like a flushing a toilet or or watching water down a sink, it all spins around and comes back to Bundy and Gosman and how good they can be. Do you think both of them are ready to excel this year, Josh? <laughs> um, I'd have more sorry about the Sorry about the vision of uh, the toilet flushing. No, I'd, I'd have more confidence if I knew that. I think there's hope for both of those guys. I think Bundy... Is, we've seen glimpses of, and this would, of course, be the year. We saw that he can be healthy last year. So, yeah, I would love to see Bundy make that step and be the reliable number one guy. Golfman, I think there's some excitement about it with these talk of he's uh, added a sinker to his arsenal because he's relied so much on the fastball that if he could mix it up a, just a little bit, I think that'll help him down that home run rate. And I think... The real story for this season could be Chris Tillman. And if he is the, the pitcher we knew from years ago, then that gives us a, reli- a really good guy that we weren't expecting to be in this rotation. We're talking with Josh Sirocco, Section 336. Josh, tell uh, our listeners and viewers uh, where they can see the show and access the show and when it's on live versus uh, being able to pick it up uh, on the archive at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Yes, yeah, yeah. You can listen to it on PressBox. You should subscribe over on iTunes, so it comes straight to your phone. And you can watch it live on Facebook on Monday nights at 7.30 at uh, Facebook.com slash Section 336. Okay. Yeah, you, you showed me something the other day. It's quite interesting that you guys used to always huddle together, right, for each show? We do during all right. So during the baseball season, during uh, big shows, we all huddle together. But it's a long off season this season, so we did a few shows where we uh, Matt and Bert stayed in their homes, and I piped in video and audio into our studio. So that's really fascinating to me. What what gets all three of you up on the air at the same time? Uh, we use the is same it the program. Ge- is, it the, is it the geometry? Is it the geometry? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, this, it's, thing, it's this thing called the internet. Right. <laughs> and uh, we use the same program you guys use for your broadcast, and uh, I just some separate cameras and mics, and it works okay. It's not as good as when we're in studio because you lose that dynamic of being face to face and and the emotion of yelling at each other face to face. You lose some of that over the internet, but. In a slow off-season where we've been going at this for five years and we haven't missed a week. Well, 
technically we missed one week, but uh, we still put a show out that week. It just wasn't live. So it, it's, a, it's a been a long five years. So every once in a while, we'll, we'll cheat a little bit by doing the remote uh, broadcast. So let me ask you a question. If, if I were to have you on uh, periodically on my O's postgame chats, and you were the one that was sort of emanating the broadcast. I, in other words, what looks great on the screen is you look great on the screen, and you're at the home base, and then yeah. Bert and Matt didn't look as good as you. Is there a way to, to make the two people look equal? Well, the difference is I'm in our studio, which we designed for video streaming. We put in bright lights. Okay. We, we've, so the difference is they're in their home living room using the laptop and okay. the laptop camera. So, uh, so yeah, we could build them each a studio, but we don't want to take away the dynamic of in-person. I so got you. All baseball season, we're in studio together. All right. And I'm coming out there March the 12th, right? I believe so, yeah. All right. And, yep. and Still got to verify that. But and yeah. what time is that on live? 7.30 p.m. 7.30 for one hour or longer? Uh, for at least an hour. Okay. At least an hour. And if, if I'm interesting or tell one really long story at the beginning, right. it could be an hour and a half, right? Right. It depends what question we ask you. <laughs> We're talking with Josh Sirocco, Section 336. Josh, um, uh, one of the big stories we talked to Steve Molesky about a little bit earlier on the show would be the comeback of Chris Davis. Where are you on that perspective comeback, and where are the guys at? Is it possible? I, yeah, I totally believe it's possible. Um, I mean, I don't believe there's flukes in baseball. I think baseball players work too hard to get to the major league level. I think there's no way you go a season and have an unbelievable season like Chris Davis had a few years ago, and then you just become trash. Uh, so I totally believe in a comeback. I can see you could, you could watch Chris Davis last year and see that it wasn't working for him at the plate. You could see it in his eyes. So I totally believe it's possible. Again, just like the pitching staff, I'm not ready to trust it yet. I'm going to have to see it up here in Baltimore, and then I'll start believing. Uh, one of the other backdrop stories is uh, Chance Cisco. You know, one thing about the Orioles, they're never shy on the Masson machine of telling us stories for years about prospects coming up. And Chance Cisco has been on the horizon, it seems like about three years now. I mean, we know the timetable, but this seems like the season that he should be able to come up and at least establish himself, if not a number one catcher that this guy is going to offensively be something decent. Uh, your thoughts on Chance Cisco? I don't think he plays much this year. I think I think this is part of that conflict we keep hearing about in the warehouse right. where Dan and Buck disagree because we all know that what Buck values is defense. And the one thing we know about Chance Cisco is that's where he struggles is defense. And when you've got a young pitching staff, you need a guy in there that the pitchers rely on, that they trust to call the game. And I don't want Buck Showalter calling the game from the, the, the dugout pitch by pitch. I want, I, I want either Caleb Joseph, who the guys are all comfortable with, or I'd like them to go out and bring in another veteran catcher that they, that 
can can make this team because I don't think it's Cisco. And I think the Orioles might have been trying to move Cisco this offseason because I think they might see it also. Interesting, because uh, to me, he's 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 to me he's finally one of the pieces that has been coming up through the pipeline that I think it's imperative that they they get established as a major major leaguer. Kyle, you have any thoughts on uh, uh, San Francisco? I'm of the opinion now with the Orioles. I mean, they will never do this. They never take this approach because they're unwilling to admit the reality. But I'm of the opinion that now they should, from day one, play Austin Hayes and Francisco and let them get their lumps because Mm -hmm. this team, whether it's together like this for one more year, they're going to be playing in the future. We're going to have to know whether or not they're real. So if you can hit, That gets back to my whole thing is why wouldn't you, as a team, long-term – Keep Beckham at shortstop and find out sure. if he is an answer at shortstop. I completely understand that as well. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of things the Orioles have done that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but, look, I understand their trepidation and why they wouldn't play Francisco, especially Buck mm-hmm. Walter, being that he is Mr. Defense. In particular, he likes his catcher to be an extension of himself. Um, so we'll see. I, I, But, again, I really do feel, and this is sort of me being a realist, that the best thing for this team is figuring out if these guys are players. And he's not a triple-A player anymore. He's, he's ascended beyond that level, I think, at least as far as hitting is concerned. He yeah. can refine his defense, but it's especially don't have him just backing up Caleb Joseph. If he's on the roster He's got to play half the playing, time at least. Yeah, yeah to me, he's got to play half the time. Otherwise, to me, they're exposing the fact that they really don't believe he's any good. I mean, if he can't beat out Andrew Susick, you know, uh, I think they're in a little bit of and I think there's like I think he should be playing nearly every day somewhere because look either he shouldn't be wasting away on the bench like when Austin Hayes got called up late last year and was on the roster but didn't really play. It's another one of those head scratching things. But I look, he's going to have to play it at some point. So I say just let him play. All right, your thoughts uh, on that, Josh? Because you're of the, I, you're you're not of the opinion we're going to be a contender this year. So what is the harm in really playing him? I am torn. I think that you sign one of these guys who's still out there and you can be a contender. Chris Tillman, Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman, take that next step and you can be a contender. Uh, so I'm torn. I think that I would love to see more of Austin Hayes. I would love to see Cedric Mullins come up and see if he can establish it in the big leagues. I think D.J. Stewart, I think we've got some great outfielders with potential. I don't know how you fit them all on this team, especially with regular, regular playing time. I'd rather these guys stay in Norfolk and get regular playing time and come up when they can actually contribute rather than just sitting on the bench for when uh, Trumbo or Mancini needs an off day. I agree with that. Look, I, the last thing we need is to have them just not playing. Um, but, you know, the state of the Orioles right now, in one year, they're going to be the team, you know? Mm-hmm. So and, right. unless something drastically changes between now and then with the likes of Machado and Britain and all of that, like these guys are going to, if the Orioles have any hope in the future, it's on the pitching staff. we got Bundy, Gosman, Harvey, and these outfielders and Mountcastle and all these guys, right, in Cisco. What, what and, is, what's your assessment, Jack? Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, well Kyle, Kyle just made the exact point that this is the frustration of the Oriole fan is the team is not going all out and they're not going all into the future. They're doing this limbo game 
that's just irritating and frustrating. Yeah, they're, because they're, they want they're, us they're, to be all on board, but they can't tell us the direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're straddling. There's no question. They're straddling uh, the past, the the current, and the future. There's no question about it. Uh, one of the bright spots of their future, though, has been the uh, early returns on Hunter Harvey. If you had to choose his path right now, where would you see him? ideally starting at Frederick, or do you think he's already ready to ascend to Bowie to start the 2018 season? I would I would start him in Bowie, and with plans that if he succeeds at Bowie, we're ascending him quick. Yeah. And if he, and I'd say probably six, seven starts at Bowie, if he's the guy we expect him to be, then quick go up to Norfolk for two, three starts, and then he comes straight up to Baltimore. I could see him in Baltimore by June if he ascends the way he should on paper. The the problem I see with that, Josh, that scenario, is I think this is the year that was two years ago with Bundy where his – I can't see him pitching more than about 125 innings this year. So if he throws well, 10, 10 starts at seven innings apiece – uh, that's 70 innings right there by June. Uh, you know, he's got another 70 innings in him, or 50 innings, 60 innings. Uh, he's not going to jump up from where he's been to throwing 170 innings this year. Sure, sure, but that, I don't know if he comes up as a – I think he comes up and maybe he goes into the bullpen. Okay, that's a different – that's how I see this thing playing out this year. And that's why I'd also like to see him start at Bowie. And whether he dominates at Bowie or not, I'd probably keep him there. And if he's dominating there at June, I might bring him up as a – Do we know st- if they're planning to do that stupid three-inning stint thing with him? Or I don't know, stupid maybe. You know, word, uh, but- yeah, I mean, that, that interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know if that is the plan. I think some of the uh, limitations have been pulled off of him in terms of each game – but I do think that there will be about a 120-inning limit on him this season. Uh, Josh, uh, one other uh, thing on this team right now is uh, is the Jonathan Scope situation. And when I call it a situation, I think everybody has sort of understood that Manny Machado's value out in the open market has ascended practically beyond what the team is going to be able to afford. Uh, but but there's been a window here where I think the club has not – and again, do I know for a fact that Dan Duquette hasn't engaged with Jonathan Scope's agent? Uh, no, but you don't hear it from anybody. Um, are they doubling down on the way they handled the Manny Machado situation? I don't. I don't think so. I think they're. I think they're playing the waiting game because they are as confused about their future as we are as fans. And I think they want to see if they're going to be competitive still in the future. If they've got Gosman and Bundy that can lead the way for this future uh, staff, they know they've got Harvey coming up. But I think they want to know, like, will they? Is it worth investing in scope to be competitive, or are we just going to? If we're rebuilding then maybe we don't want to put all that money into scope and maybe we want to see what else, what else we can do. And, and I accept the fact that we would lose for five years as we rebuild. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of baseball teams are trying to figure out that future now, especially after the Astros showed that they can do it, that you can rebuild. 
and everyone wants to everyone likes the copycat. So I think they're kind of just a wait and see with scope now. I think it's also wait and see with the market next year because this off season's been strange and I don't know how that's gonna affect Manny Machado and Bryce Harper next year. But but you're talking from today forward. I'm talking about it seems like they certainly weren't of a mind six, eight months ago of sort of saying, Well, we don't know where we're gonna be, you know, they've been oh, they've right. been consistently thinking of themselves like we're contenders and it just seems like I'm not saying look, I am saying that they should try and get a deal done with scope right now because it could be as much as seventy five to a hundred million dollars less if you went aggressively yeah. at him now. Uh, but I'm saying that he's going to play himself where you're going to go, well, I guess we can't sign him either. But I feel like we've done this. Like This conversation was relevant, I think, two years ago also when Scope was right at the start of 2016. I think we knew the kind of player Jonathan Scope was becoming. You could have extended him to a Rugnet Odor type of like $48 million six-year extension and had the foresight to know what you had and we just keep waiting. We keep kicking the can down the road I, until I, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, and it's you know. the same thing with Machado. And it's just like they have not learned a thing. Either that, or they're just they know where they stand. Yeah. And it's just a really frustrating thing for fans to have to sit back and just watch like Chinese water torture until they're gone. Josh, comments? Yeah, but yeah, that's the uh, we talk all the time about the Oriole way. That's the warehouse way. They sit back and they watch. And they don't extend people. We've got, we've got Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette both going into this season as this being their last season. You generally don't let a coach go into their final season of a deal if he's been successful. It's very strange how uh, the warehouse they sit and they wait and they wait and they wait. And whether you want to blame that on Peter Angelos or whatever you want to blame it, either way, they don't do extensions uh, because they always wait. They wait. They play the waiting game. And sure, you can say, well. Maybe Scope's going to have a down year and we can get him cheap. But maybe he's not. And maybe the track record shows us that he's going to keep getting better and more eyes are going to be on him. Yeah. I think the guy now is about a $120, $130 million player right Easily. now. And if he has the same yes. type of year, he's he's escalated into the $200 million range. Cano got two hundred, right? Two hundred and ten yeah. or whatever it was. Right. And he's a younger version of Robinson Cano. Right. Like he, he is. All right. Josh, it uh, sounds like as we get uh, to the midway point of spring training that there's a lot of questions, uh, and uh, Section 336 is the place to bat around the questions and try and get the answers, all right? All right, thank you. Thank you, Josh Soroka. Appreciate it all the time, too. There you go. Josh Soroka, Section 336. Um, boy, it is, it is really, uh, yeah. Listening to the three of us talk, yeah. it's a it's a distressing uh, thing right now. Well, it's a, it's a rough time to be an Orioles fan. It's it's there, there's for people who I think and we look we consider ourselves to be knowledgeable baseball fans. For people that understand how it works, how baseball, major league baseball, and successful major league baseball teams are operated and, and ran, we know that's not what's happening in Baltimore. We know that they're not following that book, and then you can list any number of reasons for the evidence, and you can find a laundry list of proof. And so you sit here on the cusp and we have one of the most lovely stadiums in all of baseball, right? Like it's a cathedral of the sport. We have one of the best players in all of the sport on the team, like a generational talent. And there's just this 
malaise. It's like, well, why should we be excited? And it's so it's so sad to have to feel like that sometimes yeah. because because you want to you really want to get excited. Like I love baseball. I love when the weather turns, and I love the idea of sitting in Camden Yards and just enjoying the game. But at this point, the prospect of it being man a good product, and then obviously the the elephant in the room of beyond this year. Is just it's it saps out some of the life. No question about it. One thing that doesn't sap out the life of baseball fans around this time, Kyle, is preparing for indeed your fantasy team. Indeed, what is the uh, name of your team? Um, so I I go the route of normally trying to think of a name that's you know funny related to a, a player that I have on my oh, team I was thinking something like clipped eyebrows no 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 yeah. threaded eyebrows threaded thank you eyebrows. very much yeah I like that they, they, they look good but uh so at this point we do a keeper league like I said first year we're doing a keeper league and we still have more I'm sure we'll talk more about this at the end of the break but I'm carrying over the players that I know to be on my team at least two could maybe three are Bellinger Luis Castillo. So wait a minute, you're in a uh, American, and, American, American and national. national. Okay. Yeah. Bellinger, Luis Castillo, and if if we do three, it'll be Benintendi. So I don't know if there's really a name there. Like saved by the Bellinger is too cliche. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't. I like. I like to be a little bit more creative than that. Sometimes the to a fault threaded, to the point where nobody even gets it. The threaded eyebrows. But I want to have some oomph to it. You know. I think the threaded eyebrows are people <laughs> raising their eyebrows at how good your team is. I can do a nice eyebrow raise now yeah. with that yeah. threaded eyebrow. Yeah. You know. I've noticed they do look much better. Yeah, I know. It, it makes really me do. a new person. I feel like it a really does a new new out- outlook on life. Yeah. Name of my team. Not that you asked. Is Rafifi. <laughs> Rafifi. It's not the. Uh, what is your, your your football team name, or what was it? Uh, I've been the Crowther Sled yeah. and the White Bronco. Yeah, I won the championship this year. I White not. Bronco, I think, won the championship. Uh, you won uh, the press box league or the media league? I, I forget. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I forget which league I won. I'm in the. I won in the league that Gary Stein was in. That would be the press box media the league. The press box league. Yeah, 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 I did not win since right. you won, but it's fine. You know. Yeah. I won in one of the ugliest matches. The championship week I do was that. terrible. Like sub 100 points, right? Both of us. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Both of us. Um, we're talking a little bit about our fantasy teams. Uh, so you've got those three keepers. I normally take a break more like in another 10, 12 sure. minutes because that's no the worries. last break um, of the program. I thought we'd keep it right here and just Fine with me. move into uh, fantasy baseball. Let's do it. Um, my keepers. I have a very interesting team. I have very few, if any. Mine's an American League only league. And how's the format for your keepers carried over? Like eight, you get as many as eight wow. keepers, wow. which is really makes the draft way too interesting. Many. Yeah. yeah, really way too yeah. many. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm keeping. I have uh, Osuna, the Toronto sure, relief sure, sure. pitcher. I have him at $13. Okay. Oh, so this is an auction league. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. I've, yours is a draft. Yeah, we do a snake draft. So totally different. Entirely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have Osuna. Then I have Shane Green at a dollar. Okay. Detroit yeah, yeah, Tigers close. Right, right. I then have Chris Devansky at $7. The Astros reliever? Yeah, he was actually $2 last year. I picked him up in a trade, but he has to be like increased a, $5. He pitches a lot for them. He does pitch he a, lot. a lot. of strikeouts. Too. He had a very down 
second half? Second, I won't say the entire second. Yeah, he had half. a rough it's stretch. A, I remember he had about a six-week yeah. stretch where for a he while there he was like just a yeah. ERA and WHIP like. So he he's going to be he's going to be seven dollars. Then I have Andrew Miller at sixteen dollars. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But I have Alex Cobb at six dollars, having to go to eleven because he's due his raise. But I don't know. It don't looks know to me looks to me like he's going to end up in the National League, which would make him right. Uh, right. unkeepable by me. So I got to do starting pitchers, and then I've got got a couple interesting decisions to make. One is Devansky at seven versus Hildenberger, the Twins mm-hmm. kind of third banana mm-hmm. at a dollar. I think Hildenberger actually at a dollar may make more sense than Devansky at seven. Uh, maybe so. I mean, you look, he's one of these guys is in line to get wins. I know Devansky might pick up a few here and there just by luck. But, yeah. look, if he's a but good Devansky's pitcher, if Hildenberger— most likely not going to get the saves. Right, right. He might get six or seven wins, but are his numbers going to stay where they are? If so, he'd be the play. But I think Hildenberger, I think for the $6, $6 value, yeah. che- cheaper, yeah. might be the play. Sounds about right. Uh, also have— Miguel Gonzalez picked up late in the season for $2 that is potentially keepable. Now, you could say, oh, you can get him back for $2. Invariably, what happens is you never end up with that same player, especially a guy like Miguel Gonzalez. So do I want to keep him? Because the only offensive keepers I have potentially are Delino DeShields at $16. Okay. And I'm projecting Delino DeShields could get, playing every day, could get steals, 30, yeah. 30, 35 saves. You mean steals? Steals. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. I say saves? Yeah, steals. Yeah, yeah. 30 to 35 steals. Yeah. Um, Matt Joyce, I have at $7. 22, 23 home runs at $7. Pretty good. But remember, for much of the year last year, he was straddling 200. Right. He ended up about 235. Yeah. And then I have Joe Maurer at $9. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'm going to keep Mauer. I mean, I don't think I'm going to keep um, um, whoever I just mentioned before, Mauer and uh, Joyce. Yeah. So the Shields is my one keeper. Then I've got those relief pitchers. So it's interesting. It is. It you is. You don't it's have almost, to keep eight. No, no, no. That that makes it for a lot of like we still like I said two or three because mm-hmm. I I personally. A big fan. Draft day is my favorite part because it's like you know it's scouring great. and it's great. I like to have the option. Where do you do your draft at? So, unfortunately, because they're scattered around the country, we can't get everyone in the same room together yeah, so necessarily. You just do it online. It depends. We'll try and get some people in the room together if we can. But at the end of the day, right? I I'm a nerd. I just like outsmarting people. You yeah. know, like I genuinely enjoy picking a team and letting like watching people make mistakes and then me getting players that I have no business getting in certain places and. Like I, it's it's a it's a good time. What categories do you play? Are you a five by five league? Five by five, indeed. The standard ones. I wish we did OPS instead of average because it at least takes into account on base percentage. Mm-hmm. But you know, the average is what it so normally you do, is. You do average home runs, RBI, stolen bases, and uh, and uh, runs and runs. Yeah, right. Runs. That's what we do. Yeah. And pitching, you got wins, ERA, strikeouts. ratios, strikeouts, and saves. That's what we yeah. have. Whip your yep. All Who's that. this guy that the now? Not that I need to know it, but I do need to know it for my power rankings, which I'll be doing at the beginning of the season as well. My weekly MLB yeah. power rankings. But who is? Um, the clo- this closer that they think is going to be the guy in Arizona, Hirano. 
I'm not familiar. Is he supposed to be a flamethrower? He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the guy they don't want. To apparently, remember they let Rodney go. Yeah, and they d- want Bradley to stay in the setup sort sure, of the Andrew sure, Miller sure. role. Um, I, I forget his first name. I'm looking it up. H i r a n o, Diamondbacks. H i r n a o. No, H i r a n o. Okay. Hirano. Uh, Yoshihisa Hirano. Yep, that's so, the guy. I take it he's from either Japan or he's Korea. He's from Dundalk. He's from Dundalk. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't heard of him. Did he? Was he an under the radar acquisition? When did they? They signed him to a two-year, six million dollar deal in. I think they December. Ju- yeah. This December. So, I, look, that's not the kind of stuff that would scream 100 mile per hour, but clearly, look, we've seen deceptiveness in spades from pitchers that come over from Japan. I mean, Koji, obviously, the one that right. you think of first and foremost, the ones who are just, they know where they're putting the ball. They can put it there whenever they want. Right. And they have hitches in their deliveries that just throw off the timing of batters. And so if you're looking at a guy like that, look, Koji was a 5-inning starter, but he was a masterful 2 or 3-inning reliever. And I I don't that's a market inefficiency if you get a guy that's evidently talked up that much as a potential closer for a 2-year $6 million deal. Right. They reached a 2-year deal. He is 33 years of age, uh 6 feet 1, 185 pounds, which is pretty good size for a Japanese player. He's logged 143 saves over the past five years in the Nippon Baseball League. Uh, pitched 11 seasons there to a 3-1 ERA. Um, I think he's the guy. It's interesting. I think he's the guy. So I, mean, I think I just helped you uh, win your... Uh, you might have. Yeah. I mean, I, have, I hadn't heard of him, and that's always the thing, right? Relievers, Shane Green was one last year who you could tell when there's a vulnerability in a guy who's currently got the closer job and there's a guy who's got these numbers and the stuff right behind him where you're like, well, there's clearly he's going to take that job. Yeah. Um, it happened in Pittsburgh as well. But with a guy like this, these his command is as good as I expect it to be. And his I would imagine he has at least a three or four pitch offering, mix of pitches, because chances are with, a, I would guess, a 90 mile per hour there about fastball. You're going to have to keep them off balance and figure out ways to change speeds. But if if all this if there's if there's reason to like him for a closer role, then there's reason to like him for fantasy. That's, that goes yeah. without saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you do you? I know you follow things pretty closely throughout all the entire world of sports, but there seems to be I'm hearing a sense that there's going to be more stolen bases this year and less home runs. That. A thing, lot of people they change are the ball move, somehow, that, right? That a lot of people are are now trying to move up the strike zone to combat how many home runs there are. Um, okay, I could see that in theory. I think ultimately, I'm of the. So you're saying in 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 with breaking balls in general, I I don't see there being much of a change to home runs because I think frankly these hitters are trying to hit home runs, mm-hmm. right? These are power hitters who are of the all or nothing mindset, where they're trying to barrel the ball and get these launch. Launch angles, exit velocities, and all that, you know? I think the feeling is that the launch angle, to get a launch angle, you have to get underneath the ball. And if they're raising the ball, suddenly the hitters are going to be confused as to how to react to that. You know, it's still a little funny, right? Like back when when I was younger, a ball up in the zone was more prone to To get sent. To being hit out, right. Yeah, so like that's... 
but but that I know, was like before the, launch right, angles. Before, but I still think these hitters are hitters, right? Like there's a little bit of a I think a muscle memory thing here where you see the ball up in the zone, you you swing and go for it. I think probably. <laughs> but if you've trained, sure. So many of the hitting coaches now, when you read these stories, <laughs> excuse me, like in the athletic, yeah, you'll hear about how Solaire is now working for with. With the hitting coach that helped somebody last year, mm-hmm. and it's to get yeah. under the ball. No, it's the analytics side and the actual application to the game it's is the geometry. That's exactly right. I mean, JD Martinez is the shining, the beacon example. I think in 2014, he completely changed his swing, and he, it was all about launch angle. And yeah, it's interesting. I don't. I tend to think that not everybody who's hitting home runs cares about launch angle. Let's point that out first, right? Like I remember Anthony Rendon famously was like, yeah, I don't think about any of that stuff. I just go up and hit. So while there might be a swath of people, and I think that probably uh, the forefront of the new age of maybe power hitters who are thinking of analytics might be slightly affected by that, but it's always a, a reactionary game, right? They'll make their adjustments, and the pitchers will make another adjustment, yeah. and it'll go back and forth. So I expect... Home runs, if maybe if at all, slightly down. But no, I don't expect there to be a drastic. Do you change. have Do you have any sleeper pitching candidates, uh, starting pitching? See, my guy's Luis teams, Castillo. How many teams do you have in your league? Uh, twelve. Twelve teams. Yeah. It's so un to me. It's so unchallenging to pick a twelve-team league on a draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you've got all thirty teams to that's pick part from. of the, like that's I hear you. Yeah, but I think that there's, and that's why it's a different game. You're not, you're no longer looking for just capable players. You're looking for the lottery tickets. You're looking for the ones that are going to send you to the top. Like right, James but Paxton, ev- but everybody can do that. There's mm, enough players to do it. But that's why, no, no. Like I'm talking about, I drafted James Paxton. Right. How many players? How many, how many players do you? It's a 25 draft? man roster. 25 man yeah. right? And then do you have a? Five man taxi squad or anything With like that. With a bench, that? you mean? Yeah. Yeah. You have a, I think a six six man bench. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Um and so my biggest guy, this is the sleeper that I'm I'm in love with. I'm in love with Luis Castillo. I'm in love with him. I think that the Reds now, the Reds pitcher. Reds pitcher. Reds. Came in last year, mid season. He was traded like two different times, once from the Marlins for Dan Straley, right? Okay. He was a Cuban, if I'm not mistaken, or Dominican, one of the two. I'm sorry, that's pretty insensitive. But he two-pitch just... mix at the time, right? 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Right. Great changeup. Great changeup. And at the time, had a curveball that was, you know, not not too good. So at, at least you've got a good reliever, right? But he comes up to the Reds, tinkers a little bit, turns his curve to a slider at the major league level and implements it, turns it into a, at times, plus pitch, and also learns a two-seamer and in the big leagues. And it's automatically and immediately one of the best pitchers in baseball when he does. So this is a guy with a 95 to 100-mile-per-hour fastball and two-seamer, a killer changeup, and now a sharp slider who actually has command. Like, he's locating this fastball. It's not like he's just slinging it around and, you know, some we've seen plenty of guys like that in Orioles, you know, from Daniel Cabrera, who could throw hard but didn't know where it was going. Like, Luis Castillo has some pitching chops. He's somebody that I am like I'm keeping him over Andrew Benintendi. That's how excited I am about him. Well, he's a 25 year old, and he was born in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, I mean, he is electric. Let's see what's he done so far. 
in his major league career last year. He was originally a San Francisco Giant prospect. Yeah, he's been traded like a bunch of different times. And last those teams year, he it. started 15 games through 89 and third innings, struck out 98 batters, 1.07 whip, and a 3.12 ERA. He was 3-7. and seven. And his final five starts of 2017? Yeah. He had a 186 ERA, a wow. 158 batting average against, and 12.1 strikeouts per nine. Wow. I'd like to acquire him, but I can't. So I'm keeping I him can't. at a last round value. All right. So him and Cody Bellinger are costing me my last and second to last picks to keep. So wait a minute, I don't understand so what's a last the way round that, the value. The way it works, so like we do a snake draft, right? So right. you know, rounds one through thirty or whatever how many picks there are. And so say I drafted you keep Castillo in the last round I last year. Picked him up. I picked him up as a free okay, agent. Okay, so now he's last round. So, so it, you, it's, you it's only as if I drafted him. Pick. You, you. So say I drafted. I drafted Andrew Penintendi, 120th overall, right. like the 10th or 11th round. Right. If I were to keep him, he would cost me one round earlier than mm-hmm. the round I drafted him. Okay. So I don't want to give up a 10th round pick for Benintendi when I could instead give up my last pick for Luis Castillo. You know, gotcha. that's the value thing with the dollars, gotcha. essentially, where you're gotcha. va- weighing those options. So, um, Boy, that is that's an interesting. Yeah, what do you play for in your league? Uh, money. Not mean like <laughs> roughly two hundred a team. No, 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 nothing too. It's more, it's like pride with money as a little bit of a you know added incentive at the end. It's a little bragging rights, okay. if you will. But um, no, it's a to be honest. I have hard time getting through like whenever fantasy football comes back around and because fantasy baseball is still going. My my attention baseball to baseball drops drop. off considerably right. because there's something about the like I find and that's that, a good amount of money to, for you to play for. Yeah, exactly. Our team we play for over a thousand dollars a team. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to take a final timeout and then we'll come back, Kyle Ottenheimer and I, to wrap up today's bat around. We'll be right back. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com impact. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. 
Towson Sports Medicine has been providing high-quality care to athletes and their families since 1894. Towson Sports Medicine specializes in rehabilitation for orthopedic-related problems and injury treatment programs for athletes of all ages. Towson Sports Medicine has five convenient locations in Towson, Bel Air, Cockeysville, and most recently, Rosedale. To schedule an appointment with one of our therapists or learn more about our programs, visit TowsonSportsMedicine.com. Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise play of the game. Reheatable, bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside. Slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. I'm Jill Powell. Each day I'll bring you the latest from the floor of the Maryland General Assembly. I'll speak with the newsmakers and feature the sound that is shaping the future of Maryland. Be sure to catch the Maryland Capital Report at any time at MarylandNewsNetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. We are back. The last few words of the bat around, you've been uh, extolling the virtues of uh, Luis Castillo. As I said, despite being, you know, a little down on the Orioles, I'm still a nerd about baseball, and I can appreciate just incredible talent. And I truly believe that Luis Castillo has the makings of a true ace, as far as that's concerned. Been working uh, on your uh, your team name. <laughs> you, I have, or you have? No, I'm working on it. Okay, what you got? K is for Kyle. Ah, man. I, that's not your best. That's not your best. But I get it where you're going with that. How about Glenn's bitch? <laughs> oh, jeez. How about that? No, How's that work? That's definitely not your best. <laughs> I'm telling you, the threaded eyebrows. You know, because most oh, people I'll, I'll would take say, it into consideration. Most people would talk about raised eyebrows, you know, or bushy eyebrows. The threaded eyebrows. Hmm. Threaded drives with uh, maybe a variation. How about the dreaded eyebrows? Interesting. I'll, talk, I'll turn it over. I'll turn it over in my head a little bit. See if I can give that some thought. Yeah, I definitely will. Got some, some homework of, for the week. Spend weekend. a lot of time thinking. Yeah, I got about some that. homework for the week. Hey, thanks for uh, filling in for Brittany this week. Appreciate it. You'll be back tomorrow. Indeed. With uh, Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard at uh, 10 o'clock yeah. on the Fantasy and Reality Football yeah. Show. Any guests on that show? Probably. That's good. <laughs> no, we'll talk. Uh, we're going to talk combine. We're going to react to some of the stuff going on down there. 
in or up there in Indianapolis and uh, Ravens draft and all of that good stuff. All right, tomorrow morning, ten to twelve. Uh, inside press boxes on ten thirty tomorrow on ABC two. We will have uh, interviews with. Um, the Baltimore Blast coach, Danny Kelly, yeah. and uh, one of my favorite people in sports, uh, one of the greatest female lacrosse players of all time, the Loyola Greyhounds head coach, Jen Adams, will be on, and Gary and I uh, do a little uh, back and forth and crosstalk as well. So that does wrap up our edition of uh, the Bat Around. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody, and stay safe. All right?